All right. Hopefully you're all encouraged. <laughs> so good. Well, good morning again, guys. If I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell Welch. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're a guest with us, thanks for being here. Just another reminder, uh, there's a little Connect card underneath your chair. You can fill that out real quick and take it to the Connect booth, or you can pull out your phone, take a little picture of that QR code. Just let us know. It's a simple way to let us know that you are here this morning, and we want to follow up with you and say thank you. And also, we have a gift for you right outside um, at the Connect uh, booth. We'd love to give that to you before you leave. Here's a couple quick announcements before we jump into the um, service. One, this week is Thanksgiving. Who's excited for Thanksgiving? Woohoo! Me too. Excited to eat a lot. It's going to be good. Use some self-control, okay, everybody? But just eat a lot too. All right. Also, next Sunday, we're going to do what we're going to call uh, Prayer Sunday. And so I'm excited. We, Jesus told us a lot to pray. It's all throughout the Word of God. Uh, but specifically, next Sunday, we're going to be spending some extended time in worship and in prayer. So this is a great opportunity for us to obey the Lord and pray, but also to grow in prayer. If you have somebody that you know that's just kind of this is new for them, bring them on prayer Sunday. We'll teach them how to pray and get to model it with them. But we'll have some extended worship and different people coming up to lead different prayer uh, topics next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, December 5th, we'll be kicking off a little Christmas series. Um, don't know exactly what it's going to be called. I've been thinking of the perfect child. But I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But anyways, uh, something about Jesus and how amazing the Christmas season is. But we're also, on December 5th, going to do Baptism Sunday, all right? So we've got at least one guy that's going to get baptized. But if you are in, have never been baptized uh, before and you want to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and obedience to the Word of God to be baptized, it's, it's a powerful public testimony of your faith in Jesus where you go under the water, you're dead to your old life and sin, and you're raised to newness of life. We literally do it right down the hallway in the Holiday Inn pool, and so it's going to be right after the service. Uh, and so anyways, if you just to let you know, but also if you've never been baptized, really prayerfully consider filling out that form, and we'd love to baptize you and celebrate new life on Sunday. Okay, last announcement. I shared this a couple weeks ago, and, um, but we have, as a staff and as a core team of our church, we have been praying consistently and diligently for a church building. So we are coming up to about, uh, in January, end of January, it will be two years of us having Sunday services, and we've been so thankful for the Holiday Inn, but our time is coming to a close here. Our last service will be in mid-February, and we have been really praying and asking God to provide for us, open up doors of favor uh, for a church building. And so I'm telling you this for two reasons. One is to pray and join with us as we've been praying, but then also I shared this a couple weeks ago, but we've kind of we've been searching pretty diligently for the last maybe six months. Um, but at the start of this three-week media fast, which if you are new here, we've been doing a three-week church-wide media fast. A lot of us have. We have just felt from the Lord to stop searching, and just to take a step back and wait and just pray even more. And to, today is the last day of the media fast. So tomorrow we're going to pick it back up and do some more searching for a building. Going to keep praying. They're going to start searching again. So. Pray with us in faith for God to open up a door and provide. We would like to stay in the Springdale to North Fayetteville area. It would be great. We want a place where we can have church on Sunday and offices throughout the week and a meeting place for our discipleship school. So you guys in prayer, not silently, but out loud. <laughs> and uh, So let's pray actually right now. I believe the Lord's going to really help us. So Father, we just thank you for this journey you've had us on as a church family. And, Lord, we come before your throne right now. We know that you're a good father. You provide every one of our needs, and you also love to give us good gifts. You're a generous father. And so, Lord, we ask you to open up doors in northwest Arkansas. Lead us and guide us. Give us wisdom and discernment and provision in this process of finding a church building, a place we can call home, a place really where your glorious presence just can continue to dwell, and we can encounter you in real life-changing ways. In Jesus' name, amen. If you come up with any building or anything, you know, any free buildings in town, just let me know. Shoot me a text. You got a couple million dollars you just want to just give toward a building campaign, just go ahead and ask. Go ahead and do that, too. That would be great. But I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do for us. Okay, you guys ready to close out this series here? Yes, we've been, this is part three of this silly series we titled, If Jesus Had Social Media. Once you ask somebody next to you, hey, what would it be like if Jesus had social media? Go ahead, turn to him. Ask him. All right, I can hear you just re-quoting Jeremy and Madeline's messages. That's great. Okay, well, here we go. Here's what we mean by this. <laughs> I got myself in trouble. <laughs> All right. 
Here we go. Now that you all gave your own message. So what's the point of this and why and just what do we mean by this? Really simply the title alone will hopefully stir something in you to provoke just at least considering what would it be like. The reason we did this is during this media fast where we're taking a break, we wanted just to speak into what is so common and so normal for us in our culture and our generation and wanted us to take a step back and actually consider the ramifications of this because we want to be a people that we bring God into everything. We bring God into every area of our life, even if it's totally normal. And a lot of you, those of you that are younger than 30, for sure younger than 25, you've never had a life, uh, part of your life without social media. And so I wanted to, at least since it's so normal, say, well, okay, we're gonna, let, me, let me talk to God about this. Let me submit this to the Lord. All right? So in just a minute, we're going to go to John 21. But before then, let me give you a little recap of uh, what we've been doing the last couple weeks. So are you ready? If you could take John 21 off the screen, that would be awesome. Just, just, this is going to be a powerful verse we're about to look at. But if you could take that off somehow, that would be awesome. All right, you just, it's the word of God, so whatever, keep it up there. All right, I just know you're all distracted. Gosh. Hey, look at that. <laughs> don't read into that. That's an accident. We don't stamp our name over the Bible. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Last couple weeks, so uh, Jeremy and preached last week, Jeremy, and then Madeline also preached the week before that. Here's what they focused on. Madeline, the first week, she kind of focused on what would the state of Jesus' heart be if he had social media? And she, here was her one-liner. He would be secure in his identity. He would be content instead of consumed with comparison. And he would, for sure, live for the approval of God and not for the approval of man. Isn't that great? And again, these are guesses. We don't really know what it would be like, but we're confident that this is who Jesus is. He's a very secure man. And so she really focused on the internal state. Last week, Jeremy submitted to us some ideas of what it might look like externally for Jesus to use social media. And here was some of his, her, his little tagline. It says, he would promote God instead of self. He would forgive instead of judge. And he would be a light rather than a shepherd. Really good stuff to consider and think about. So reference those messages from the last couple weeks. But this week, I'm up. I get to close out this thing, all right? And this is, I just got to say a couple things about me preaching on a topic related to social media, okay? It's funny because I know nothing (laughs) about this topic. Literally, Lindsay Gore, our media director, in preparing for this series, I was like, uh, Lindsay, I need you to type up a resource that literally explains every platform and detail and word and lingo that's in social media. And she had this four-page amazing resource and document that explained every platform, some of which I've never even heard of before. And she's just like, this is what this, this is what a DM means. This is what this means. This is what this is. And it was so helpful. Honestly, I want her to, like, make it official and give it. It's, like, really helpful for parents also to know what is on earth are my kids talking about. So that's hilarious. And then why it's also funny is because of my personal thoughts on social media. And I just have to let you guys know, there was a reason I had Madeline, who's, you know, nice and girl, and Jeremy go first. uh, Because of where I probably am going to take this message this morning. So I'm excited about it, but buckle your seatbelt. All right, here we go. Here's what I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with what I was going to share. It's Sunday before Thanksgiving. I was like, you guys are about to take a week off. About to eat a lot of food. It's Thanksgiving. Easy topic. Thankfulness. And it was just going to be a nice, easy Sunday. Let's just thank the Lord, you know. And in context of this, you know, what if we only posted things on social media that we were thankful for? I don't think it would do us any wrong. So I was going to talk about thankfulness. There's a couple public prayers where Jesus, literally, he knows everyone's listening. And all he's saying is, Father, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. It's like the, the former days of social media platform is just public prayers. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> that were written in scripture. Thank you. you know, what if we posted things we're thankful about? And then I also noticed and saw something funny. This is the John 21. You can put John 21 up. Uh, we've been reading through the book of John during this media fast, and I read this again this morning, and it's just funny to me. Here it is. This is John 21, chapter, uh, verse 21 and 23. It says this. He says, this is in context, uh, Jesus is walking with Peter. And he's like restoring Peter. Peter had denied Jesus three times at the crucifixion around that time. And he's restoring Peter. But Peter 
is receiving this call from Jesus, but he also notices that John, the other disciple, is around him. And Peter's like, well, what about John? You have this calling for me. But here's what he says in verse 21. It says this, when Peter saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Let me pause there. That's awesome. Peter was, was trapped in comparison. You know, Madeline talked about that. He was like, what about John? What about John? But Jesus clarifies, hey, you follow me, which is a powerful takeaway. But here's my funny takeaway. Look at the next verse. So the saying spread, it went viral among social media, that among the brothers that this disciple, John, was not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not going to die, but if it is my will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? So here's my point. <laughs> Rumors and gossip and conspiracy existed far before social media, before fake news, before our social media platforms, before anything else. And here's my not-so-funny takeaway, but helpful takeaway. Here's what happens. The truth prevails. Lies, rumors, conspiracy fade away. The truth prevails. So there's a lot of questions about can I, who can I trust today? CNN, Fox, nobody, I don't know, this, that. I, listen, here's what I know is true. The truth will remain, and lies and rumors will fade away. So you and I, what can we do? We can have peace in our heart that we're going to be okay. And let's not look to this or that or this or that. He said, she said, to try to find our security and our trust. But we look to Jesus. We know it's going to be okay. And the truth will remain. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, the truth will remain. Awesome. So as, as I was praying this week and I sat down to prepare, I had what I like to call a little uh-oh moment where I had this direction. And I was like, man, great. I've got a couple meetings this week. So I'm just going to go ahead and go with the direction that I already had set with what I want to preach on. Then I had this uh-oh moment. I sat down and looked at, started thinking, started praying. And I was like, Lord, I think you want me to go a different direction. This is not good. But here's what I did. I gave God my excuses. You want to hear three excuses I gave him? One, Lord, I don't know if this is really you. Second excuse, Lord, what if I offend somebody with what I'm going to say? Third, <laughs> What if I am misunderstood and therefore misrepresented and spoken against and people don't like me? So, you know, guys, Jesus, he's so kind and he's so patient, but he just doesn't buy our excuses. <laughs> so I submitted those to the Lord, and I'm going to share what I felt like he gave me to share. You guys ready? Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Like I said, we've been diving into the book of John, and I'm going to look at something here, kind of building a case, building a response to help us. It's, we're going to point it back to this topic, but it's much, much, much bigger than this topic of social media, okay? So here's what I know about Jesus as we turn to John 6. Here's a couple things that I see in this passage. One is that he was not scared to say the hard things sometimes. Two, he was not moved so easily by people's reactions, which you're about to see. And then three, here's what he stayed faithful to. He simply spoke the truth in love, not to prove anybody wrong, not to prove himself right. He spoke the truth in love because he genuinely wants what's best for his people. You guys thankful that Jesus is like that? He's willing to tell us some hard things sometimes if it really helps us? Good, me too. So John chapter 6, in just a minute, we're going to probably pick up at verse, it's a long chapter, and it's got 70-something verses. But in just a minute, we're going to look at um, verse 53, but don't put it up just yet. Let me give you a little backdrop. So Jesus has done a couple miracles. He literally just fed thousands of people with bread and fish. Okay, you guys familiar with that uh, passage where he multiplied bread and fish? And so he's got this amazing group of followers, okay? And then he starts speaking to them and not just performing miracles but teaching them. In this context, he's talking about he's the how he's the bread of life. Give me an amen if you believe Jesus is the bread of life. Come on. So this is how that group started. They said amen, bread of life. That sounds, eh, that sounds good. Okay, like, okay, I remember Moses. But I want you to put yourself in these people's shoes. They didn't have canonized scripture. This is literally 2,000 years ago. They're seeing Jesus in the flesh, hearing his words, and he's starting to say a couple of other things besides, I'm the bread of life. Just come to me. You'll have life. He's like, okay, I want life. But he keeps going, and he keeps taking it up a notch. He not only says that, but he also says things like, you've got not only my bread of life, but on the bread of life, I've come down from heaven. And people are like, wait a minute, what do you mean? You're, we know your mom and dad. 
Mary, Joseph, you know. We know them. What are you, what are you talking about? And then he just keeps taking up a notch to say, actually, you've got to eat of this body, which is my flesh. And they're like, put yourself in the shoes of these people. They're like, what? And then listen to this. He just closes it out, and this comes out of his mouth. Ready? Verse 53. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 55 is my favorite. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Let me pause there. What? Put yourself in the shoes. We have context for this. Okay, I think some of you are like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I know what he means. I've taken communion before. Yeah? Eat of his body and drink of the blood. Okay, I'm getting this. Now, at this point, he hadn't died on the cross yet. Okay? this point, that people don't get it. I, mean, I can see people in the crowd like, you like, you like, like, you want us to, you know, eat you? Okay. <laughs> this is what happens. Verse 60. Many of his disciples heard it. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Jesus, knowing in himself the disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense at this? Well, this is good. This is good. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where it was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by my Father. Now look at this. Look at this response of the people. Now, I want you to remember, this is a beloved Jesus who cares so much about people knowing him. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Let me pause. Literally, thousands of people are there. Many of them get up because of what he just said and leave and don't follow Jesus anymore. Listen, if I'm preaching a message and like one or two of you get up, to go to the bathroom, I start to feel a little concerned, <laughs> okay? I'm like, oh, gosh, what did I say? But Jesus is just standing there. Probably hundreds, if not thousands of people literally leave because of what he just said. And then he looks at his disciples, and he says this, verse 67. Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Wow. Simon Peter, good old Simon, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let me pause there. Great job, Simon. Great response. You're on the right track. Yes, you spoke truth. I can imagine Jesus, or what we would assume Jesus would say in that moment would be, proud of you, Peter. Great job, man. Way to go. But here's what he says. Did I not choose you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? Gosh. This is not the Jesus we picture. Like, these things come out of his mouth sometimes, and we're like, what? They called him a devil? Anyways, he spoke of Judas, the son of, his, uh, of Simon Iscariot, for the he, one of the twelve, is going to betray him. So here is the reason I'm uh, sharing this message, with, or sharing this part with you, to kind of paint the picture, that sometimes Jesus speaks hard things, but he always speaks the truth in love because he wants what's best for us. Do you believe Jesus wants what's best for you? You have, he has no malintent in his heart for any of us. He's faithful. He's good. And, and I would say most of us probably are willing to admit that, like, his ways are better or he is smarter than us or he knows a little bit more than we do. Yes? And I want us to be that kind of submitted to people. And despite how anybody might respond, he's going to be faithful to speak the truth. And so the reason I'm building this up is because today's message might be, in the words of John 6, found it in verse 60, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? So for some of you, what I'm going to present to you and submit to you today might be a hard saying. But just bear with me. Let the Lord help you. And here it is in context of this series. If Jesus had social media. What I've realized as I sat down to think about it this week is that pretty much we have just been assuming throughout this series that Jesus would have social media. And therefore, so should I. Here's what I want to submit to you. Maybe he wouldn't, 
and maybe you shouldn't. Let's pray. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I love my job, Lord. love you. We submit to you, Jesus. You're in this place. You're in this room. Open our hearts. We're not afraid of you. We're not afraid of what you might say. We submit to you. Lord, I pray just for an open heart in this room. Every one of us. We need you. We need help. And we want to be, at the end of the day, we want to be fully surrendered and submitted to you, Jesus, no matter what that looks like. And so, Lord, help us hear your voice and your voice alone. I just rebuke every voice of the world, every voice of the enemy, even our own internal voices that might contradict anything that you want to say. We just open our hearts up to your voice. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right, some of you just think I told you to eat my flesh and drink my blood, but that's not what I said. All right, so let me, let me start. I'm going to strengthen the foundation a little bit, then I'm going to get into some practicals about this that I think will actually be helpful. Let me strengthen the foundation, okay? I want to talk about the original invitation of Jesus. So praise God, we have so, like four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, his ministry, his teachings, his works, his death, and his resurrection. Anybody thankful for the Gospels? You see continuity throughout the Gospels of the way that he beckoned the people to follow him. Okay, and I want you to remember something. He entered into already existing norms and things that were cultural, things that were normal in culture. He entered, he didn't just like start it all. Okay, he entered into about 2,000 years ago things that were already normal in the culture. Yes? Okay, so when we're talking about this, Jesus is, he, like, we're in a sense realizing we should probably involve Jesus in what's normal in our culture. He did the same thing in his day. Now, listen, he did not call everything evil. He didn't find a demon under every rock, okay? But he also did not beat around the bush with the things that were evil and that there are evil in the world. And he was really clear about what it meant to follow him, okay? For example, he, he didn't have a mentality that you see throughout the Gospels of, oh, hey, yeah, everything that's normal in culture, it's fine. There's no sacrifice needed to follow me. Just keep doing everything you've been doing. Add me to your life. Put a couple Jesus stickers on your bottle bottle and your computer. And we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> no, what he said multiple times in multiple different ways was this, Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Leave that up there just for a little bit. What he's implying is, hey, there's going to be times if you want to follow, come after Jesus, we're going to have to deny ourselves what we, what we naturally might want or what we might naturally desire. Take up your cross, an instrument of death, dying to yourself. How often should I take this up? Daily and follow Jesus, he's the subject that we're following. I'm not following myself, I'm following the Lord. So keep that up there just for a little bit. This is in the ESV. How many of you guys have ESV? Raise your hand. ESV, anybody? All right, hands down. NIV? Okay, Jeremy's excited about that. Uh, NASB, anybody? All right, a few, great. All these great translations. Anybody have the CCV? CCV? No. Okay, let me read the same verse in CCV. Stands for Comfortable Christian Version. <laughs> Let me go ahead and put it up there. If you want to conveniently add me, you must just treat yourself, take up your coffee daily, and follow your heart. Now leave that up there for a minute. CCV, it's amazing translation. Okay, it's not comfortable Christianity version because that would be too broad. It's comfortable Christian. It's for you. You can personalize any verse to make it say what you want it to say. Isn't that a great translation? All right, this is not real scripture, okay, just to be clear. But I'm trying to make a point. We sometimes want scripture to say something that makes us feel a little better sometimes, yes? But I am just committed as your pastor and, and as a follower of Jesus to not do that when I read the Bible. I want to I receive the true words of Jesus because his words are life. And his words are freedom. And so he said, take up your cross and follow me. Now listen, this call, this original invitation of Jesus, which is to come and give everything to him, there's different responses that you see throughout Scripture. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple in Mark. Mark chapter 10. There's this guy called the rich young ruler. Here was his response. Okay, Mark 10. It will be on the screen. Verse 17 through 22. 
says, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Don't forget that. Looking at him and he loved him, he said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But here's the response. Verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, we don't know what happens to this guy. We don't know if a couple of days, weeks, months go by and he kind of comes to and says, all right, no, I'm going to follow. You're worth it, Jesus. You're worth it. We don't know. But you see, when Jesus gives his honest invitation to come and sell everything, not every response is, okay, yeah, let's go. Disheartened, sad. He walked away. Here's another response from his disciples in Mark chapter 1. This is a little bit more encouraging. Mark 1, 16 through 20. It says this, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you f- become fishers of men. And then look at verse 18. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So a different response. Immediate, quickly following. Here's what I want to present to us and just things I've learned from my own journey as I look at other examples in Scripture and just been a pastor for a few years is, you know, we don't always respond. There's not just two responses, okay? But I would say I would consider this like a spectrum of responses here. One is we hear Jesus say something, and we know he's speaking to us, but we just, ugh, it's too hard to hear, and so we kind of go away sad and try to not try to make us think that it's not what he wants us to do. Then there's this other response of just like, yes, I'm in, quickly, obedience, yes, right now, let's go. Okay, but most of us are on this journey in this spectrum, and the goal, honestly, is not to land in the middle. <laughs> the goal is as quickly as possible for us to get more and more and more to this place of, man, we're having quicker obedience, quicker and quicker obedience. You guys tracking with me? Has anybody arrived? <laughs> no. Me either. We're all on this journey together of learning how to quickly obey just, but I want to be heading in that trajectory, in that direction. But I do want to mention this in regards to social media. You know, we, we live in a generation, well, it's not even related to social media, but we live in a generation when it comes to the idea of sacrifice or surrender or giving things up, we are much more quick to question to ponder, to consider, well, is that, is that too strict? Is that too, too much? Is that too extreme? I don't want to be over here. I don't want to be over there. And we, what we end up doing is for a long time evaluating whether or not this is exactly perfectly what I'm supposed to do. And if it doesn't, you know, I just make sure. I don't want anybody to label me as extreme because we're so concerned about what people might think about us that literally sometimes we hesitate forever until we don't really fully obey what God might be putting on our heart. Thoughts such as, maybe with this topic, of, well, I mean, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this too strict? I want to be accepted. I don't want to miss out on being influential or making an impact. I I must have social media because that's a part of that in this generation. Now, I will say there's comments on this and there's thoughts on this, but but what I want to do is tell you what maybe you haven't heard yet. There's enough voices telling you that you should definitely have it. But here's what I want to say. The topic of, what if I lose all my influence? When we stand before Jesus, he will not ask you, how influential were you for me? I don't think that will be his first question. I think he will talk to us about our faithfulness to him and our love for him. And I want you to, think, I want you to realize this because uh, I don't think any of us live in China, right? Okay, you live here, most of you, or Oklahoma or somewhere, Okay. In the Chinese church, the underground church, there are powerful, amazing movements of underground believers that are planting churches and house churches that plant house churches that plant house churches that plant house churches. And there's some church leaders that literally have over a million people under their care because they've got about 20 um, leaders that they pastor directly, but each of them have about 10 to 15 house churches under them. 
and some of them have about five to ten other house churches under them. And you do the math, you multiply that out, that's to the hundreds of thousands, not millions. And these church leaders don't have Instagram. They don't have any followers. But to me, they're making a pretty big impact in making disciples. Let the reader understand. <laughs> but I want to share something. Jeremy submitted this uh, prophetic word, the sense, as we look into look ahead to uh, 2022. And one of the things he said that really stuck out to me as we kind of waited on God for, okay, what is God speaking this next year, is this return to joyful surrender. What if we had a joyful surrender spirit in our midst? Where instead of saying, oh, I don't know, it's so heavy, oh, it's so heavy. But instead, we see this opportunity to be wholehearted for Jesus and go all in. And we say, yes, I'm willing to give anything. What if we had that response? And it, he was talking about just what it looked like maybe in, in the older generation, the early days, even of starting the Antioch movement, where they would just sell possessions. They would go to the craziest places on the earth to preach the gospel, and they would do it with a sense of joy. Of course, a few people, of course, had to ask, Lord, should I give this? And they say yes. But in this generation, it's like, oh, don't ask me to do too much. I look too good. I like my stuff. I don't know. But what if the Lord returned us to a joyful surrender? But we just said yes. We just assumed that he was speaking, and we said yes joyfully because we know that it's better on the other side of our yes to follow him wholeheartedly. It reminds me of this parable in, in Matthew 13, 44, a really short verse. He says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, everybody say joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Because we know the reward of following Jesus is so much greater than any reward we could experience on this earth. And that, I just love that word, and I'm praying into that. And I believe that this generation is here. And I believe there's some of you in this room that you want to be a part of a joyfully surrendered generation. Where you don't want us to have to convince you, us old people in our 30s, <laughs> to convince you that it's worth it to give everything to Jesus in your 20s. That it's worth it not just to live for the next post that can get the most likes. Oh my goodness, I think some of you are in this room, you feel this burning inside of you that you're willing to give everything for Jesus because you want him. You're not that concerned about the other things you could have in the world. I believe that generation is here and there's something stirring in some of your hearts in this room as well. And here's what's really great news. <laughs> you will never be let down by a genuine surrender to Jesus. If it's true surrender, you won't be let down. Okay, here's what surrender is not, okay? There's something the Lord asks you to do or give up to him. And you say, Lord, I surrender. But remember what's behind my back, okay? <laughs> and you wink to him. <laughs> Lord, I surrender, but just make sure that I still get what I want, okay? Listen, whatever, and I say that lightheartedly. Like, whatever we're hiding behind our back that we hope he still does anyways, even though we're surrendering, like, what he will give you is better than what you're holding behind your back. It will be better. And listen, it's not, a, it's, it's not even an it, it's a him. He is better. We get him. We get the fullness of him. It's great news. 20, 2016 was a year of surrender for me. And sometimes before the beginning of each year, I will start praying and talking to God. Like, Lord, what are you speaking over this year? Is there any, like, theme you want to highlight to me? And I felt like this phrase kept coming to my mind. I wrote it down in my journal a couple times. And it was a question that I felt like was from the Lord. And it started with this. Are you willing to blank? And I felt like the Lord was just like, it was a theme of surrender. It's like, Lord, are you, the Lord asked me, are you willing to blank? Whatever I might fill in the blank with, are you willing? Now, unfortunately, I went ahead and dove into that a little bit more and started praying and talking to God and said, Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> and he had a few other things to say. <laughs> the beginning of that year, um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to give up coffee. I know, right? First time that came to mind, I was like, I rebuke you, devil. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't shake it. I kept talking to God about it. I kept thinking about it. I'm like, Lord. And I wish I could show you my journals of that time in early uh, January 2016. It took me several days to say yes as a testimony of sometimes it's hard. 
But I was like, why do I keep thinking about this? Lord, what on earth? And my journal said something to the extent of, Lord, I don't know if this is a good idea. Christmas just passed, and I have like $75 of Starbucks gift cards. I must use them unto you, Lord. (laughs) And literally January 2nd, there was a wedding I went to, and it was an afternoon wedding. And the time of day that's hardest for me, that I'm the most tired, especially when I'm driving, is the early afternoon. I said, Lord, how am I going to stay awake? You want me to stay alive, right, God? How am I going to drive back for two hours without coffee? And I wrestled a little bit for a couple days until January, I think it was January 3rd, 2016. I had a few guys over, and we had a little worship time, and we just had extended worship. We were praying and just journaling. I was talking to God again about this because I couldn't shake it. And in my journal, I finally wrote down. I said, all right, I give up. I'll give you coffee this year, Lord. Amen. And literally, as soon as I said yes, peace just flooded my heart because I knew it was going to be worth it. Here's what else happened in 2016. We did a... I was leading the college ministry at the time. We did a media fast that, that year. It was a time of surrender. I, there was an opportunity to do a, a food fast, and I did the longest fast I had done. Also, this is funny. This is kind of in a different camp, but it was a, it was a stretch for me. I bought my first pair of skinny jeans. It was another, another sign of surrender for Mitchell Welch. <laughs> Those that know me before 2016 understand fully. And this was the year that God initially asked us, would you be willing to plant a church one day? Now listen, just so you know, all of those things were not easy yeses. All of those things took some struggle. But I just, what I felt like was highlighted was the Lord really speaking to me, would you at least be willing to surrender if I might ask you? And this is what I'm praying for you guys. I've been praying that this morning. I've been praying that throughout this week is that we would be a church full of people at least willing to surrender if Jesus might ask us to surrender something. At least willing. We don't surrender just for surrender's sake to be radical. That's not what I'm talking about. We surrender out of obedience to Jesus. Because this is not about you proving to anybody else in this room or even to God that you're radical. It's about you obeying him and following him. Amen? But sometimes the Lord does actually speak to us things he wants us to surrender. Now, to close it out, here's what I'm going to give us. I'm going to give you guys some helpful guidelines or guide rails in surrendering things to the Lord. Okay, I'm giving these helpful things to, to, because I love you. Okay, Because there, there's a lot of things you could interpret from what I'm saying, but you literally, every one of you must go right now and sell your house, sell all your cool clothes, give up coffee, and that's how you're going to apply this message. Now, listen, if God says any of those things to you, I would encourage you to obey. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to listen to God and at least have a heart willing to surrender to him. But here are some helpful things in this process of figuring out what God might be saying to you. Are you guys ready? Three things. And there's different categories of things that God might ask you to surrender. Okay, and there's a slide that has three different categories and then it'll kind of response underneath it. Okay, if the thing is sin or causes you to sin, the Bible instructs us to cut it off, no questions asked. Number two, if the thing is neutral, meaning it's not bad, it's not good for say it's neutral then what we can do is honestly evaluate the fruit of that thing in our life and then third if it is a good thing that god might put on our heart get a clear word from the lord all right let me break these three things down okay and i think this will be really really helpful you can take a, take a picture of that or write that down okay number one if it is sin cut it off here's what matthew 5 27 to 30 says in the context i'm going to read it read the context to you but it's about lust says this. This is Jesus talking. If you have heard that it, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Let me just pause as we read an intense passage of scripture. I don't want to too quickly explain away why this verse is not that intense. Because it's intense, and I think he wants it to be intense to us. But let me clarify a couple things. One is I don't believe Jesus literally wants people to cut their hands off and pluck their eyes out. 
But what I think is sure and clear is that when it comes to sin, Jesus does not want us to play around with it. He didn't want us to skirt around with it. Why? Why? Because he's trying to get all the fun out of life? Because he's so mean? No. Sin kills us. It destroys us. And it destroys everybody that's closest to you. And Jesus loves you, and he loves me, and he doesn't want sin in our life. Now, are any of us perfect? No. We always will have things that are sinful in a sense, but we can pursue and receive breakthrough and freedom all of our days. So he says to cut it off. Now, there are many other examples besides social media that we can apply to this, but let me comment on the social media aspect. If social media causes you... To lust. Now let, let, me, let me pause for a second. Go back to that verse. The sin itself was lust. The sin was not the hand and the eye. Right? Tracking with me? Okay. But he says anything that causes you to sin, do those things to it. So let's look at the context of social media. If social media causes you to lust at all, cut it off. If it causes you to compare at all and feel really insecure about who you are, cut it off. If it causes self-hatred and negative thoughts, cut it off. If it causes self-obsession and pride and arrogance, cut it off. This is not helpful for any of us. And God loves you enough to say, no, no, don't compromise and say, well, if I lust a little bit, but I still get some followers, then I just don't want to be, you know, not relevant in this generation. Listen, God is not going to ask you about your relevance first when you stand before him. He wants our love. He wants our obedience. He wants our faithfulness. Now, does he say that you have to cut it off forever? No. But if you're struggling and this is causing you to sin, I want to just agree with Jesus. Would you, would you consider cutting it off? Because sin destroys us. It reminds me of this story of this Middle Eastern man. This is, I think, the summer of maybe 2016, 2017. There was a big Antioch movement-wide initiative to um, engage this refugee crisis in the Middle East. And a lot of our, some of our Antioch missionaries were partnering with this local pastor, and they were trying to help provide practical need, and they were sharing the gospel, and they were seeing people saved and restored, and their needs met, and it was powerful moments of worship and prayer. I don't know how many nights it was, but about a week or so later, this local pastor takes two of the Antioch missionaries and says, hey, would you come with me for a minute? I want to take you somewhere. They hop in a truck. They go up to this kind of cliff and this mountain right next to a sea. Not exactly sure what sea it was. And this Middle Eastern pastor, he says, guys, I've been seeing God do powerful things this week. I've been seeing him minister through us so amazingly. This is awesome. But he says, I'm tossing my phone. But out of his pocket, he pulls out his phone. He looks at these missionaries. He says, but this thing is killing me. I keep giving in to lust and pornography and impure images. And I want to be done. And you know what he does? He turns and he throws his phone into the sea. The missionaries are like. <laughs> they literally, the presence of God just falls. This guy goes to his knees and he's just crying out to Jesus saying, I'm done. I surrender. I'm yours. These guys are praying over him and ministering. He powerfully encounters God. Because he's willing to surrender something that was holding him back from the fullness of what God could have for him. Amazing. Let's talk about that next one. If something is neutral, now there's a lot of things that I would say fall into this category of neutral, but let me look, let's look at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul, there's a lot of context I'm skipping over here, but, so bear with me. But 1 Corinthians 10, Paul's like, hey, all things are lawful. But notice those quotes around that in the ESV, there's quotes around it. There's this phrase, most scholars would agree, there's some phrase that was floating around the Corinthian church of, hey, everything's fine, everything's lawful, I can do it, I've, ex I've received the grace of God. And what they had turned it into was this like hyper-extended grace message where there's no boundaries. In context, a lot of First Corinthians is about sexual sin, but there's just no boundary, everything's fine. But here's Paul responding, he says, hey, all things are lawful, I know you say that, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but hey, not all things build up. So when it comes to neutral things, I would encourage us to honestly evaluate the fruit of these different things in our life. 
And so what is this thing, whatever it might be, I'll give you a couple examples in a little bit, but what is it producing? What is it producing in my life? Is it producing anxiety? Is it producing fear? Is it distraction? Is it a bad use of time? Is it missing other priorities? And a good idea with this one is to ask a few people that are close to you that will shoot you straight. Say, hey, this thing that's neutral, God's brought it up in my mind. It's not sin per se, but just God brought it up to me today. Just ask them, hey, what fruit do you see this producing in my life? Whatever that might be. Social media could be one of them. Alcohol could be one of them. Even as simple as watching sports could be one of them. Your work schedule could be one of them. Reading a certain fiction books or articles. These things, like, they're not wrong. But how does it affect us? Does it seem to be bearing good fruit in your life? Here's a simple and humbling example from my life. I, I, it's my relationship with college football. I like college football. Anybody else like college football? Yes? Hey, guys, the Razorbacks almost beat Alabama last night. Anyways, we'll celebrate the almost around here, okay? <laughs> Anyways. I didn't watch it, though. I was on a media fast. I promise I didn't watch it. My wife told me. Anyways, uh, <laughs> oh gosh, she didn't watch. She didn't watch it either. Um, this interesting relationship. So I noticed, uh, you know, on Saturday. Now moving here, I moved from a college town to a college town, and so now I have this predicament. I have two college football teams that I really enjoy watching. And I started to notice on Saturdays as I would sit in front of the TV on my couch for multiple hours. Every once in a while at halftime, we'd go outside in the backyard, play football and stuff. But I just noticed as I kind of got, you know, I had a long week and I just was chill in there. I just didn't want to be bothered by my children. <laughs> daddy, 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 daddy. Okay, Micah was the one sitting next to me watching. Like, yeah, let's go. You know, Micah, he's our almost seven-year-old. He likes football too. And I just, nothing wrong with watching football, but I just noticed why. I don't know. I don't know. My kids growing up saying on Saturdays, my dad didn't engage with me that much. He was a little extra short with me because football was on. Like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think that's what I want my testimony to be, my children's testimony to be. And it wasn't, you know, as horrible as you might imagine, but it's just like even a little bit of just like I know that I'm, I'm not engaged here because I want to do this. And so I talked to God about it. I can ask people for feedback, and I made a few adjustments. One of those things was one, one Saturday. I still watched the game, but I decided I'm not going to sit on the sofa because when I sit there, I get really, really cozy, and I don't want to get up. So I literally stood up or sat on a little stool the whole game. Little adjustment, and it changed my attitude a little bit. It's great. Okay? Just silly little adjustments because my whole life, I want it to be submitted to Jesus, and I want good fruit bearing from my life. I don't want to be super strict, of course, if it's something neutral, but I want to make sure that it's bearing good fruit in my life and the people around me. You guys track with me? Of course, there's a hundred or a thousand different examples you can insert there for your life. But I would encourage you, humble yourself, ask somebody that you love, that loves you, that's close to you for honest feedback. How does this thing affect my life? Amen? All right. Last one. If it is good, so something that you feel like maybe God's highlighting to surrender, if it's good, get a clear word from God. Just to be clear, that coffee word Definitely not neutral. That was in the good category for me. I was like, Lord, I just bearing so much good fruit. I didn't do it because coffee was unhealthy for me. I was like, oh, I need this. Anyways, I think of the biblical example of Abraham in Genesis 12 where the Lord just calls him and says, hey, leave your family. Leave this land and go to this land I'm going to show you. Also, a couple chapters later, Genesis 22, when the Lord speaks to him to offer his son Isaac. Now, we all know now that it was a test, but in the moment, it was... Isaac did, or uh, Abraham didn't know for sure, but he had a specific and clear word from God to sacrifice or surrender something that was really good. Family is good. Even this rich young ruler that I read earlier, his possessions, they're good. I mean, what a blessing to have finances and resources. Amazing. But Jesus gave him a clear word. You're going to need to give that up if you want to follow me wholeheartedly. So here's my encouragement to us, kind of practical application. It's just let him, let him speak to you. Again, we're going to have the time to respond at the end of this service of just, like, listening to God, asking God these questions. Lord, is there anything that you're bringing up in my mind, in my heart, in my life that you want me to talk to you about? At least have a willingness to surrender. But just my encouragement is let's, let's just at least be willing to have a conversation, not afraid that God's out to get us, but trusting that he has great intentions. Have a conversation with the Lord and say, God, is there anything? Don't let anything be off the table, per se. I've heard many a story, and even a couple, or one this week, of guys that have said no to great job opportunities 
because they had a specific word from God to stay in a certain location or to go to a different location and city. There's been many folks that have moved away from family or friends, which is great. Family, friends, amazing. It's good things to move away to follow God's leadership for a job opportunity or a ministry opportunity. And for us, really personal testimony, this is how I'm going to close up here. Moving here to northwest Arkansas was definitely one of those things in this category. We had family was in that area. We were part of a great, amazing church. And in the context of my job of ministry, like, it was going awesome. It was going great. Like, other pastors might have said, what are you doing, man? <laughs> you have great favor. You're making a great impact. We'd respect you in this city. What? what? You're going to leave? And because the Lord was speaking to us directly, because we were hearing his voice, and because we wanted to be at least willing to surrender, we said yes. Again, one of these not-so-quick yeses, but we said yes. So, Lord, you can have this. And listen, a couple years down the road of saying yes to that, I don't regret it. I wouldn't know you guys. <laughs> and I, I'm just so thankful. It's just better always to be in the perfect will of the Lord and to just hold on to everything, even if they're good things. But I want us to have a heart of surrender. So that's what we're going to close up with. Once you, if you have a, a journal, go ahead and pull that out. If not, that's okay. If you have a phone, pull that out. Go to your notes app. But what I want us to do in just a minute here, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to put a couple questions on the screen for us to really talk to the Lord about. Especially for those of you that have been um, tracking with us during this media fast, you know, today's the last day and tomorrow we can jump back in. But before we jump back in, I just want us to at least take some time to really seek the Lord and say, God, what might you be saying? What what, should I even go back to something like social media? Should I, what adjustments do I need to make? All right, so there's a, here's a, we're going to put the questions up there on the screen. Hopefully they're simple enough to understand with a few explanations at the bottom. But one, God, just, do you want me to go have social media? Two, if so, Lord, what adjustments do I need to make? Anybody to unfollow that's just not helping me? Any time boundaries, like maybe I just, I want to spend a few minutes a day. Or accountability, who can hold me accountable and ask me how this area in my life is going? Then third, this is just, Unrelated to anything social media wise, but Lord, is there anything else that you want me to surrender to you? Something that's causing me to sin that I just need to cut off. Something that's neutral but not fruitful and would be a good thing to trust God and put it into his hands. So what I want to do is we're going to play a couple songs um, just through the speakers for a little bit. But I want us to go before the Lord right now. And I want us to just talk to God about this. And as you journal, as you think, I would encourage you to write some things down or type some things down. But then also, if the Lord is putting something on your heart then just like where you are or literally you can come up to the front or to the side or whatever, just like worship and say, Lord, I'm yours. You can have it. I'm yours. All right? So I'm going to pray and then we'll start music. So Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for what it means to follow you. And God, sometimes you ask us to surrender really hard things. Sometimes life with you seems really fun and easy. But God, we want you, Jesus, more than anything. So the Holy Spirit, just speak to us. Would you make us a people at least willing to surrender anything to you that if you may ask us. So come and minister to us, speak to us in Jesus' name.